I'm excited to be here today, and I got a lot to say, so I hope you're fast listeners. No, I'm going to try not to like tell you everything I know in one setting, because, you know, that can be overwhelming and ineffective. So anyway, um, again, I'm Sarah Conway. Many of you probably don't know me or have ever seen me before. Um, uh, I, my husband and I have been connected with Ben and Kara for years, since probably right after we got married. I think we met them, and uh, we went into business with them. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but when you go into business with somebody, you really get to know that person, right? And I have to tell you, like, Ben was, and Kara, obviously, but Ben was the one that was running the business that we had, and we just said, here you go, here's the bank account, pay yourself, and he was incredibly diligent and honest and completely trustworthy and everything that you would expect in a leader, and, and we worked with them for years, so um, we know them well, so they are who they present themselves to be. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, and then Kara and I have been just good friends, and she's constantly making me look bad. I don't know if you know that. She's got five kids. She homeschools. She runs a church. What else does she do? She counsels. She, I don't know, I, lots, right? She homeschools five kids. I had to homeschool for a little bit, you know, in 2020. That was, somebody was in tears every day. Me or one of the kids, right? It just, it's, whew, it's bad. So, uh, so me, unlike Kara, I have two kids. They're in school full-time, and I have a full-time nanny. Because <laughs> I need help. Let's be honest, right? And then sometimes I call Kara and ask her for help. <laughs> so, anyway, why am I qualified to be here then, right? Okay. <laughs> well, one, I'm transparent, as you can tell, but... Um, I got to know, well, I've always, from as long as I can remember, I've had faith that Jesus was my Savior. Does that make sense? So I, I knew that I was saved or born again or whatever. I knew that my whole life, but I didn't have any revelation of grace or mercy or anything like that. You know, I just thought that um, if I behaved really, really well, then God would be very pleased with me, you know, like he was our pastor, or, you know, like even my parents, you know. So... Um, and I also thought that the Bible was like a set of arbitrary rules put forth just to see who would follow them. So God could know who we like and not like. And if you're honest with yourself, it kind of comes across that way sometimes, right? It seems that way. It's not true at all. Actually, everything that God asks us to do or not do is for our benefit and not his. Absolutely everything. Even worship. We say we worship God for him, right? But really it's for us. Because it actually establishes and purifies our faith. Does that make sense? So today we're going to talk about faith in general. All right? Now what I want to do today is add to the discussion of faith that we've probably all heard about. You know, I don't know if I've heard a lot of teaching and amazing stuff on uh, Mark chapter 11 through um, Kenneth Hagin, you know, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, but if you don't, do not doubt in your heart, it will be done, right? Amazing teaching from that. Uh, what else? Hebrews 11, right? We learned that, um, yeah, by faith, they inherited the promises. Even, even Abraham was considered righteous through his faith. And I don't know if you know this, but Abraham didn't do everything right. Like, he sent his wife to, you know, go, hey, go sleep with that guy so he doesn't kill me. That's a big ask. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I would say. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> the, um, James chapter 2 taught us a lot on faith, that faith without works is dead. And that doesn't mean, you know, Martin Luther actually wanted to get James chapter 2 taken out of the Bible because he misunderstood it. He had a revelation of grace, and he understood that it wasn't by works that we were righteous, right? And so when it says faith without works is dead, it doesn't mean works like as in I'm going to work for my righteousness, okay? It simply is talking about kind of what we're going to be talking about today, that faith will produce an action, okay? 
So if you believe it here, but there isn't an action that comes from it of some sort, then it's, it's not faith. Or it is. I mean, it's just what you believe, right? So, um, yeah. So that's what we're going to do today. So there's two parts of my teaching today. I want to define faith for you, how I define it, just so we're all on the same page. You may have a different definition, and that's completely fine. But So you know that I'm talking about when I say faith. Um, if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 14. Now, again, a disclaimer. Um, I am simply going to be adding to everything that we know about faith. From all the things that I just talked about, everything that we've learned, I've been, I'm going to add to it, okay? I don't want you... If you hear something that contradicts or is in opposition to that, I probably said something wrong or you heard it wrong. I don't know, right? Like miscommunication happened or, or I, maybe I'm wrong. So my heart and what I'm trying to say today does not in any way contradict what we already know about faith. Does that make sense? We're adding to it. So it's just another chapter in the Bible of faith. In my Bible, it's, it's, uh, the chapter title is The Dangers of Criticism. But actually, I, would, I disagree. I think it's a chapter that defines what faith really is. Okay? So Romans chapter 14, I'll start in verse 1. It says, Accept other believers who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them for what they think is right or wrong, for instance, one person believes that it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Okay, so what the discussion was of the day was that, um, that uh, sorry, it, they would, you, you shouldn't eat meat that had been offered to idols, that that was a sin. And so Paul is saying in here, like, he knows, and he, and he talks about it in Corinthians as well, that he knows that idols are nothing. So it's been offered to nothing. So whatever. Everything, that meat that's been offered to those idols, actually God made it. So I'm eating it and I'm thanking God for it. Right? So he knew it was, he knew, he had the faith that it was okay for him to eat the meat. Right? But some people, he says, who he's calling here are weak in faith. And that's just, a, you know, the wording that they've described here, but I like a sensitive conscience. I like that in the New Living Translation. It's better, I think. I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> um, some people were not okay with it. They ate only vegetables, okay? So now that we understand that. Verse 3, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? For they are responsible to the Lord, so let, them, let him judge whether they are right or wrong. And with the Lord's help, they will do what is right and will receive his approval. And will receive his approval, okay? Verse 5, in the same way, some people think one day is more holy than another, while others think that every day is alike. You should be fully convinced in whatever, in whichever day you choose to, is acceptable. Fully convinced. We're defining faith, remember? This is what faith looks like. Fully Convinced. Right? Did I spell that right? I always panic up here, you know? You're like, oh my God, I'm going to spell it wrong. I don't know why. Um, fully convinced. Verse 6, those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord, since they give him thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Okay, so just to put this in like a relative moment where we're at, I'm going to change the wording a little bit. Those who vaccinate 
do so to honor the Lord. And they give God thanks before receiving it. And those who refuse to vaccinate also want to please the Lord and give him thanks. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Right? It goes on to say that, like, you know, we'll, we'll all stand before God one day. And, uh, you know, even my kids know, like, don't blame it on the other kid. Don't do that thing that Adam did. It was that wife you gave me. Don't do that. Like, you're responsible for yourself, aren't you? And you're responsible to do what you think is right for you. And you need to recognize just because it's right for you doesn't mean it's right for everybody else. What's right for everybody else might be completely different. What you need to have is you need to be fully convinced in your own mind of what you're doing is the right thing, okay? A clear conscience before God is very important. Very, very important. In fact, Jesus died and shed his blood on the cross so that our conscience might be cleansed so we could serve and be able to, without be doing dead works. For our conscience, that's why. He died on the cross. Like, God's just been trying to show himself who he is, show, show us who he is, since the very beginning of time. And I'll, I have a whole teaching about that that I'm not going to get into because we don't have time today. But... The whole Bible is all about God proving to the world that he is not like any of those other gods at all. Amen. And the whole Old Testament is all about that. I did so for my namesake, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's that God, that God is who we're talking about. It's that God who delivered him out of Egypt. Okay, well, yeah, so you get the point, hopefully. Or not, I'll come back some other day and, and teach that. <laughs> But I don't want to get off task. Okay, so if you choose to vaccinate, do so because you think it's the right thing to do. And thank God for it. Okay? Receive it from God, right? So uh, when I was in Bible college, I uh, w was pregnant. Actually, both my pregnancies I was in Bible college, <laughs> which was kind of handy, actually. But um, So uh, we, we listened to one class. Barry Bennett he talks about this. You know Barry Bennett. He was like, look, you don't need to go to the hospital. Pain in childbirth is, is uh, part of the curse. You don't have to deal with that, right? And I'm like, uh, I, don't, um, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't know. And I was feeling pressure like, to be this mighty woman of faith, to believe God for a supernatural childbirth. And then I had to just be honest with myself. Look, I am an epidural type of girl. <laughs> That's who I am. You know what I'm saying? And, and the Bible says that every good and perfect gift, actually, I'd rather rephrase it to every perfect and good gift comes from the Father. Might not be perfect, but it's good, right? And guess what? I didn't have any pain during childbirth. The curse was gone, but the epidural did it. And right as soon as every, I had three epidurals, two kids, it's a long story. But every single time I got an epidural, I said, thank you, Jesus. Because that stuff comes straight from heaven. Like, it really did. It came right out of heaven. <sighs> I am not a person who tolerates pain very well. I have a very low pain tolerance. So, anyway, you see what I'm saying? Like, I had faith. My faith was that I was going to get an epidural and everything was going to be fine. I wasn't going to have one of those side effects that, that you hear about that, oh, my gosh, well, then people afterwards, you know, they have back problems or whatever. No, I just believed I was receiving it for God, and I gave him thanks for it. And that was where my faith is. And then there's Superwoman Kara, on the other hand, <laughs> who did it without. I don't know how she, you know, she just makes me look bad. I told you. <laughs> Five kids, no epidurals. And she's alive, which is amazing. So, Because I thought I was going to die, for real. So, but that's where her faith was, right? That's what was right for her. And she did that in faith. Two opposite things, but both done in faith, right? Okay. So, be fully convinced 
in your own mind what you're doing, okay? Have a clear conscience before God when you do something, okay? Don't do it to try to impress the super-duper faith people, okay? And don't do it because um, you're scared. You don't want to move out of fear ever. You just make a ton of really bad mistakes when you move out of fear because you're not using the right part of your brain and whatever. So anyway, verse 10. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Verse 12, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. There's many ways that we can do this, okay? Leaders, when you pray for people, you've you got to meet them where they're at with their faith. Okay? It's very, very important to um, ask or, or um, discern where people's faith is at and not try to get them too far. You know what I mean? Because you're supposed to be agreeing with them. Right. And don't try to stretch them, stretch them too far. Maybe they're not there. You know, Jesus met people where they were at. Whatever they could do, that's what he did. He didn't try to build, well, pfft, you should be believing for more than that, right? He never did that. He always met people where they were. So you don't want to cause people to stumble by trying to raise them up too fast, okay? Or get them to maybe where your faith is in that area, okay? Even with finances, sometimes the Bible says, you know, that, that wealth that's gained kind of little by little, it, it, that's the good kind because, you know, it kind of sticks around and you learn a lot. And, but sometimes, like, if you win the lottery, what do we know that happens to people? They lose it all, right, in, in a short amount of time. So it's kind of like faith is kind of the same way. If you try to draw someone up, think of it as you'll be asking them to sin. Right? We don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. I know that. Verse 14. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. He, I know and am And am convinced. Okay? You know and you're convinced. There's one thing that I know and I'm convinced and free from, and that, but I don't cause other people to stumble. So I know that saying a swear word in and of itself is not a sin. Okay? For me. No, I don't do it. A lot, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it does. <laughs> but there's actually been times where I've been ministering to people and I said a swear word on purpose so that they would understand the grace and the goodness of God. Okay? It's a word. It's like money. It's, you know, it can be used for evil or it can be used for good, right? So um, anyway, I, that's where I'm at. But I'm not going to try to, like, get up here and say a bunch of swear words and, you know, cause somebody else to stumble. I wouldn't do that. I, and I don't do it. I mean, I don't want you to get the wrong idea that I'm just, you know, all over the place. But um, I just know and I'm convinced that, it, that it's okay. And, and, you know, and you never, swearing in an attempt to intimidate somebody else is wrong. That is wrong trying to control or scare somebody or doing it in anger, that is wrong. But a flippant, you know, whatever is not. To me. Maybe it is to you. And if it is to you, don't do it. you got to be fully convinced in your own mind what you're doing that it's okay. Okay? Verse 15. And if another believer distresses... By what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it, or what you say, <laughs> or swear. No. <laughs> Don't let your swearing ruin someone for whom Christ died. 
Are you going to, what, is, what does the other translation say? Destroy with food the one for whom Christ died. Really? Just so you can be right? You know what I mean? That's what love is. Love's, love's concerned for the other person. Alcohol, that's a good one. I, I, I don't drink alcohol because I've had very, very big problems with addiction and alcohol. So I don't do it. I prefer not to be around people who do either. Not that it's going to make me stumble. But, you know, like I remember we were at a family thing and everybody was having fun and, and drinking. And, and in the moment, I, I was like, why don't I drink? Like I forgot all the horrible stuff that happened to me. You know, like I just had this lapse in, huh, and I kind of felt sad that I couldn't participate. So if I, if I hung around that environment all the time, I'd be drinking and prostituting and whatever else. I mean, it just gets bad quick for me. So, um, <laughs> I'm resisting saying something because it's too much. Okay, so uh, but do you want to really drink around somebody who, who might have a problem? Especially if you're a leader and it's somebody new. You don't know who has a problem with alcohol and who doesn't. Because it can, like, alcoholism can, man, fly under the radar for a long time. I always said that was the good thing about meth. Like, it'll destroy your life so fast, and you can't hide it, you know? So that's a good thing. At least it's out in the open. Everybody knows, you know? But, um, but alcohol can, you know, just kind of putter along under the radar. And, and if you're not like Otis Campbell, then you're, you're okay, Right? you're functioning, then you're not an alcoholic. Well, that's not necessarily true. I'm not saying don't drink. If you feel, feel free to drink, if you want to do that in your own home, do that. Or in an environment where you know that somebody else might not see you or be around. You know what I'm saying? Like, just use judgment. Just be aware of how it might affect other people, okay? Okay. Did I read that? For the kingdom of God, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but living a life good, of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse, I'm going to go to, I think, verse 22. You may believe that there is nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for something they have decided is right. If you've got a clear conscience about it, okay, good. You think it's good before you and God are good, you know, that's a blessing. But if you have doubts whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything, you believe if, yeah, if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Or uh, the other translation, New King James says, whatever, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever doesn't generate or come from faith or what you are fully convinced is the right thing to do is sin. Okay? So people... Um, mess this up. I told this story on Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. I'm going to tell it briefly again, so sorry if you've heard it, but um, I heard one time that, um, I think it was Andrew Womack, talk about when he was sick, he felt the sickness coming on him, so he didn't lay down. He got up in bed, and he just marched around and, and didn't uh, accept it and was like, nope, it's not coming on me, and he fought it, and it went away, and it worked for him. So I'm like, ooh, that's cool. So one day, I wake up in the middle of the night. Again, I'm pregnant. And I'm, like, really nauseous, okay? And, and the, a lot of people I know had already had this really bad bug that was, you know, coming out both ways, and it was... So I, I have an idea of what's causing the nausea. It's not just, you know, morning sickness or whatever. So I get up, and I'm marching around in my closet, and I'm doing, like, a textbook faith. I'm speaking to the mountain. I know the word. Like, I, you guys would have been... 
so impressed with my calisthenics. Like, it was really good. And, you know, I fought the nausea for a while, but then I got tired. And I was like, you know what, I think I'll just throw up and go to bed. So I did. I threw up and went to bed. So, <laughs> I was like, dang it, that didn't work. The next time I woke up in the middle of the night, it's the night before my best friend's son's wedding, and I'm supposed to be running the whole event. I wake up in the middle of the night, nauseous again. You know, like one of those things you feel like it's going to be a 24-hour unpleasant experience. And so I'm like, oh, no, God, I can't miss this day. Like, I can't. I cannot sh not show that, that day. But I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I tried marching around in the closet. That didn't work. So God, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Help, you know. And then I just started singing the song. He is Jehovah, Lord God Almighty. He is Jehovah, the God that healeth thee. And I just kept singing it under my breath, you know, in my head. And I kept singing it and singing it and singing it. Just that song and thinking about that was God saying, you know, his name. That's what he wanted to be to the Israelites. And I, I was really meditating on it. And, and then I fell asleep. And then I woke up again really nauseous. So I sang that song again. And then I fell asleep. I can't remember if I woke up three times or two. It doesn't matter. But eventually I woke up and I wasn't sick. So what was the difference? Okay? What's the difference between those two stories? So what we believe... I'm just going to define it a little differently with, with um, language so that it's uh, clear, okay? Can come from doubt or unbelief. I'm just, those are synonymous to me. It doesn't, I don't, I mean, I haven't found it helpful to distinguish between the two yet. Um, and then faith. Okay? We're talking like faith in what the scripture says and you know what I'm saying? The promises of God. Produce action, which produces, you know, the end result, whatever it is. Okay. What I tried to do was jump in here on somebody else's action the first time while marching around in the closet. It didn't come from faith. Okay. So we're going to talk about how do you purify this and get rid of this, okay? And it's not what you think, probably. So um, another thing I want to do, I want to clarify some uh, language again. Okay, so. Our heart, the Bible talks a lot about our heart. What we believe in our heart or, you know, what we, what we actually believe in our heart is going to come out of our mouth. That's an action, right? What we actually believe and, and things that um, we believe, they're stored in our heart. It's like the storage container, okay? Now, when I talk about heart, okay, I'm going to draw this, which, you know, we'll see. How'd I do? A little double chin. That's fine. You know, I should have left it. Double chin. <laughs> okay. Now, we have a conscience. We are, have a conscience mind, right, where we're, we're aware of what we're thinking. And that mostly, and now, and now this is a super oversimplification, right? Like, just for our discussion today, this is not an anatomy lesson. I'm just telling you this is how, what, how it makes sense in my head, and so that's how I'm going to try to teach it to you so it'll, you'll understand, okay? And there's some truth in it, but it, again, you know. This is what we call the frontal cortex. It is responsible for um, higher levels of thinking. Uh, it's not fully developed until we're uh, like 25, around there. So before that, you know, like sometimes teenagers 
are um, unable to really accurately predict the consequences of their actions. That's why you might say to your teenager, what were you thinking? Which I still say to myself sometimes, but... But really, until then, we don't have, until we're like, this is fully developed, we don't have the ability to really predict the consequences of our actions. Okay? I mean, we, we learn as we go, and we get a little more understanding, you know, as you get older and older and older and older, but it doesn't fully develop until here, until this is done. Okay? Now, there's this whole rest of our brain. Well, that's, <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Even has a brain stem. This part is subconscious. Okay? The brain stem here is all part of that. In the brain stem, this thing is like the unconscious, if you will. It controls like your heartbeat, your breathing. It's it's uh, it's when this part of your brain is is taking over control of your thinking. It's just survival mode. Okay, this is concerned with survival. Okay, now we have your lung here, um, a heart here, another lung. We'll do a stomach, <laughs> diaphragm. Okay, I'm done. All right. So, and, and the reason I'm doing this is because when I talk, I teach, I, I'll point to like my heart. And so I want you to know this is what I'm talking about. Um, so this, all this part is like the information comes from here and it goes down. And it's written on our hearts. Okay, so we have certain things that are written on our hearts. A storage container is what we do. You know, even like things that we really learn, um, master skills like driving, that's stored here, right? So this is storage as well. So we make decisions, snap decisions in a moment based on two things. Our... Um, Um, ex oh, no, what is the first one? Oh, knowledge. And X beer. Oh, no, that's an E, right? C E. Experience. Knowledge and experience. If you're having a problem in some area of your faith, you know what the word says. You're fully convinced. Like, not fully convinced, but you know what I mean. You know that, that when you read, by his stripes you're healed, that that's true. Or that, that God's going to bless you. You know, when you tithe, God's going to give you more. Because it doesn't make sense naturally, but we, you can read it and say, hey, yeah, I believe that. I do. But for some reason, you're not seeing the end result come to pass in your life. And so this is what, this is how you fix that. This is probably why in some areas, but it's also how you fix that thing, okay? Because you can have faith and doubt at the same time. Isaac Newton told us that, you know, Equal and opposite forces cancel each other out. So if you got a force pulling you in this way, and then you got a force pulling you in this way, they cancel each other out, and then there's nothing that happens. There's no action that's taken, right? So you can be in faith, know that that's true, but then also have doubt, and, and have it cancel out, okay? So experience oftentimes is the driver of this. Do we see more people sick than healed? Right? Experience. One time I drove in, we were living in Casa Grande, and I, there was a big uh, construction area out front of our 
before our house. And so if you got off the exit and drove through the construction area, it, it was like way shorter to get to our house. But it said no trespassing. <laughs> so one day I'm driving down there and I turn into the yard and there's two police officers sitting there. And instantly, in a snap moment, I turn around and run. <laughs> I'm pregnant again. You know, I drive away. Of course, they come and pull me over. What are you doing here? You know, I was like, well, I'm trying to get to my house. And I, well, why did you run away? Well, I'm trespassing. And, and they're like, oh, well, that, you know, we're here because somebody's been stealing generators and engines. And so we're here to catch them, not trespassers, right? So I call, they let me go. And they're like, go ahead, go through here, you know. But my experience has taught me when you see police, you run, right? <laughs> you just do it. And it like, it's so overpowered by knowledge of like, are they really going to be here waiting for trespassers? You know what I mean? Like, so I call Kyle and I tell him about it. And he's like, Sarah, remember I asked them months ago if we could have permission to drive through there. And they said it was okay. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot about that. So... Yeah, I had knowledge, but the experience overrode it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, interesting. Okay, so um, this part of our being, well, how am I going to do this? This is what I would call... The um, conscience. This again is sub. Sorry. And this, like somewhere in here, these overlap. I don't know how, but it's uh, spirit. For me, oftentimes when I'm convicted in the, in the Holy Spirit, I'll be like, oh, like I feel it here. That's why I point to here sometimes when I talk, okay? I'm not saying that's where your spirit lives, but for definition purposes, that's what I'm talking about, okay? Now, really, our heart is the, both of these, okay? But you know how they say we only use 10% of our brain? That's this. The other 90% is here. So you got a lot of stuff stored in there from a lot of different sources, okay? And it doesn't necessarily, isn't always obvious what's taking place. And so oftentimes we can have doubt stored in there from other experiences or things people have said or, or just who knows what, you know? I grew up um, really like respecting, like you don't want to lose money. Losing money is like the worst thing that could ever happen. Not really, but like that's what it felt like for me. And when I married Kyle, he's a risk taker. And so I was always like, no. What I realized was that um, I had always been relying on myself as a backup plan in case God didn't come through when I was single. Because I knew I could rearrange some stuff, you know, fill my shampoo bottle halfway with water. Like I had a bunch of tricks, you know. Just in case God didn't come through, I could still pay my bills, you know. But I tithe. But then when I met him, like, it was all out of control. I can't control this. If this fails, like, you know, I can't make enough money to cover it. And so God had to really work on me and clean that out of me um, because I was holding him back for his destiny. You know, his destiny is to produce wealth for the kingdom. And so um, I needed to, to, you know, work it out. And so one day we had some money that was up for, again, this is another story, but money that was up to be stolen and... Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. And from the enemy, it was in, in escrow, and we were gonna, uh, possibly going to lose it. Now, I didn't say anything out loud like, I'm worried about it. I'm worried. I'm worried. But I, I was because I kept texting Kyle, have you heard anything about it? Have you heard anything about it? You know, all this stuff. And then um, I eventually, one day we're on the couch. I asked him for like the 10th time, have you heard anything about that money? And he said, um, no, but Sarah, this isn't like you. And it was like God spoke to my heart in that moment. Like, what are you doing? You know, you're... You're, you're a child of God. You know better than this, you know, not to fear about. It's just $5,000, and so don't fear about it. So I was like, all right, that's right. I am doubting no more. And I did awesome for like 10 minutes. 
really good. You would have been proud. All really good for 10 minutes. And then I realized, you know, I'm doubting again, and, and it's, uh, it has its own inertia at this point. You know, it's, it's snowballed out of control. And so I had to ask God, all right, God, you're going to have to help me because I really tried, but it didn't work. And so God then later that day, we're checking out at the grocery store and have a grocery cart full of groceries. And I thought to myself, you know, if we lose that $5,000, nobody's starving to death. For real. It would be unhandy, but come on. This, because before that, this $5,000 was this huge mountain. It's a lot of money. It was a big mountain. And as soon as I realized, you know, nobody's really going to starve to death. You know, it, God started to put it in perspective for me. The mountain kind of started to shrink. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to run with this. So what else can I be thankful for? And the Holy Spirit, you know, toilet paper is always the good one that I go with because a lot of people in the world don't have toilet paper. So, you know, that's thank you, Jesus, right? We still have toilet, we have toilet paper. That's something to be thankful for. And just a bunch of different things, you know, like I had so much stuff to be thankful for. And this is just money. Like seriously, it's just money. That's it. It's not a life. It's not your kids. It's not your parents. It's not, it's not anybody you care about. It's just money. Like, you can make more. And that was, man, I, you know, I wasn't uh, raised that way. And so I had to realize what it, you know, it's just money. Like, you can win some, lose some, right? So when, I, when God started to show me that, I began to be thankful for what we already had. And, and that mountain just began to shrink. And it was like a molehill that I could step over. I cast in the sea, I'll kick it with my foot. You know what I mean? So uh, Satan ended up uh, stealing the money. Um, but I was in faith about it. You know, that, that had uh, purified my faith, what I did, that exercise with God. And so I was like, okay, that's actually cool because now Satan has to pay us back sevenfold. Like here comes a payday. And I was really kind of excited about it. I went from being totally freaked out too excited about it. And, and, and Kyle came home that week and told me I made more money today than I've ever made. And this month, we've actually made more money this month than we've ever made. And I was like, ha, I know why. That's the pain is back. Ha, ha, you know. So I, it changed my heart. It changed what was written on my heart. Now, I have a really short amount of time to tell you how to do this. This is what I call gathering evidence. You have to gather evidence because you have a lot of experience stored up in here from a lifetime of unbelief, okay? It's in there, and you might know better, but it's, it's still in there, and it's participating in your decision-making and in your faith, okay? So, look, here's the deal. We, God has already provided the blessing. I mean, we sing songs like, God, I want you to move, just because in a way that what that does is builds our faith to know that hey, he's big enough, right? But really, it's us that need to activate it and receive it, okay? So it's not like you're waiting around, well, I hope God decides to move. It's not that, okay? The, we're, the, we're what's stopping it from happening if it's stopped or if it's blocked, okay? But when we sing songs like that, what it does is it builds our faith because the way that you do that is you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and protector of your faith. So what I did that night when I was singing that song, I was just focused on him and him being the, man, that's, that's right, that's who he is. I wasn't focused on my faith marching around in the closet because we can get distracted with doing it all perfect. Still got to keep your eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. And the way that you do this, you gather evidence. I want you to think of something. The things that get written on our hearts are usually driven by emotions. That comes down here, and then it changes here and comes down, right? This part of your brain, the brain stem, is survival. I will drown the person who is coming to save me because I'm not 
thinking with this part of my brain, I'm thinking with this part of my brain. I'm going to survive. I need oxygen. And, you know, you're just not thinking correctly. This is why addiction is so powerful. Because actually, they know that the uh, dopamine comes in and it intercepts this. And it, it makes it feel as though, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. I remember feeling that way when my, I was confronted. Like, my parents were confronting me. Instantly, they were people who were trying to kill me. Like, and that's silly to say, but that's how it felt because this part of my brain took over. That's what makes alcoholics and addicts so very selfish. It's because it's, you're just in survival mode. You're not thinking with this part of your brain, okay? All right, so gathering evidence. Now, to do this, there's many ways that you can do it. But the best way, or the way that I'll, I'll tell you about it, is just activate your imagination and listen to others' testimonies, okay? When you listen to testimony after testimony, you're gathering evidence, gathering evidence, gathering evidence. When you use your imagination, let's say you're dealing with some sort of shame or something, put yourself in the position when you're the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and, and, and the crowd thrust you before Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Well, he just, you know, he bends down and writes something on the sand, probably asking God, all right, how am I supposed to handle this? I don't know. Then he stands up and he says, they ask him again, and he stands up and says, well, you without sin cast the first stone. And then they all leave, right? And then he says to her, oh my gosh, you have to stop doing that. Do you know how bad it is to have, no, he doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't condemn her or counselor or, or try to tell her how bad what she's doing was. He just says, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more because it really isn't helpful. You know, it is, it is killing you. And, you know, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you don't want to commit adultery. <laughs> yeah, it's probably helpful, right? So that was his reaction. It really wasn't a big deal to Jesus. What was a big deal was when he went into the, the temple and the money changers who were misrepresenting God and telling people when they brought their offering to God to try to get their conscience cleared. The one time a year, if you can come to the temple, it's the Passover. This is when you come. And he goes in there and he sees them. And they're, they're, they're exchanging money. And what they're doing is they're saying, you know what, Ronnie, that, that dove you brought, it's not a good enough dove. You need to go over here and buy this dove. And, the, you know, the, the money you brought, it's the wrong currency. Go exchange it over here for a different currency with a high exchange rate. And they're making money off of it. And what are they saying to the people? What does that represent? That says, what you brought is not good enough. God requires more of you. And Jesus was ticked. Like, he was really mad. He had to walk away. He had to walk out, braid a whip, spend the night, get mad at a tree, and then he came back. And then he tipped over the tables, and he was like, this is not okay. That was a big deal to God. So, picture yourself, if it's shame or unforgiveness, which really a lot of it is. A lot of what we deal with is unforgiveness, especially if you have unforgiveness for somebody else. It's really almost always because you haven't forgiven yourself for something. You've held yourself to too much of a higher standard and, and you haven't let yourself off the hook, so you don't want to let other people off the hook. So learning to forgive yourself. But put, use your imagination. Put yourself in that situation and see God go, ah, it's not a big deal, really. Right? And you can do that with all the stories in the word. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So when we say be in the word every day, it's not just reading it. It's not just using this. What you need to do is somehow activate some sort of emotion. Meditate on it until you have an emotion. Joy, peace, something. That's how it writes things on your heart. Okay? Emotion, right, thing, right, you know, experience with emotion is what changes and writes things on your heart. Okay, so you, you'll have to just, you know, meditate on it. Ask God, what do I need to, what do I need to, uh, you know, meditate on? Is it the, the, the talents, the guys with the talents, you know? The one that, the three people, the one that went out and, and tripled his money? Doubled? Can't remember. 
doesn't matter, made a bunch of money from the money that he was given. That was good. And then the other guy made a little bit less, but he still invested and made some money. And that was good too. And the one guy that got it was in fear and just buried it. God was not, that was the, you know, the owner was not happy about that. And so God's saying, hey, take a risk. Trust me. And you know what? You'll probably lose some money. But it's just money. Who cares? You can always make more. Seriously. Like, it's just money. Jesus found some in a fish's mouth. I'm not saying we should all go fishing and open them. You know, but like, God will get it to you in ways that you, it's just amazing how amazing he is. Okay? And I'm out of time. Two minutes over, so apologize for that, but I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence here today. We thank you, Father, that you've already provided all of this stuff for us. And so, God, I just pray that if there's any sort of doubt that we need to specifically focus on, that you'll bring it up. We're not going to go digging for it. You're going to bring it up to us and then take care of it. Otherwise, we're not even going to focus on the doubt. We're just going to focus on Jesus, the author and protector of our faith. And we thank you, God, that you only have good in store for us, that everything you want us to do is for our benefit. You just, man, it's just, you're such a good God. Such a good God. Lord, I pray a blessing over people. I release the blessing that everybody in here will prosper in wealth, in money, rich, riches, so that they'll be able to experience pure joy to be able to give somebody money when they need it, to meet a need. Man, that's fun. I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. Like, to really give somebody something big is like, the, it's way better than any drug I ever took. That's a fun deal. It's fun to be a blessing to other people. That's the sweet spot we want to be in in life, right? We want to be a blessing. And so we thank you, God, that you are giving it to us so that we can be a blessing and we get to participate in all that you have for us. And we thank you, God, that you've asked us to lay hands on the sick and that they'll recover so that we can participate in the healing that takes place in people. Thank you for using us. Protect us, Father. We know you're going to protect us. Psalm 91, we're, you're going to satisfy all of us with, with long life. And that nothing is going to come against us. Vaccine, no, none of that. Pestilence, all that, no. Not our house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand for a good message from Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.